Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Morning. I want to warn you that Baker's Ribs is a classic barbecue joint. It is a hole in the wall. They've got some nice ones around town. This is not one of them. You know, so, you know, but you can't really get good barbecue in a place that isn't actually held together by barbecue sauce and smoke. So, uh, today we're talking about breaking the anger cycle. Breaking the anger cycle. Uh, Were any of you stuck in the traffic on Friday? On Friday, they were moving a 75. 7,500-pound, 750,000-pound transformer to Lake Ray Hubbard. And so they came down, they came down 80 that's in the middle of construction already. And it took five hours. So people were stuck behind, because there's no exits, that's why they're working on 80. Uh, it, people were stuck behind this vehicle for about five hours. Now, you get mad at traffic? I, see, I think I'm, today at this place in my life, I get mad more at inanimate objects. <laughs> the maddest I get is an automatic a, a phone system when you're calling and you're trying to get to a person and you're talking to a machine, and it's not listening. And they don't give you the, they give you the, they give you like these options, like, I don't need any of those options. And you're like, oh. So I had a battle with, uh, it was about a month-long battle with AT&T over the tur- two church phone lines. And uh, Johnny said, uh, he, he listened to me. Uh, in the office, because everybody could hear me uh, talking to these, uh, talking to the machines, and then th- the people. And he said, "I spent less time on my divorce than you <laughs> did in trying to get rid of two lines with AT and T." So, so we've all lost it, right? I mean, we've all lost our temper because we're human, and so all of us at times have anger issues. And if, we've, if we have anger issues, Jesus understands. I mean, that's what this series is about, that Jesus has been there. I mean, there are things that should make us angry. Injustice, violence, greed, poverty, child abuse, death around us. There are things that should stir up a righteous indignation. It, and it's the same anger that God feels towards evil. Uh, Ephesians tells us, be angry. So it's okay to be angry. Anger, anger is not a bad emotion. But be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the devil any property. Don't give the devil a stake. Don't give the devil a right to claim any area of your life. Uh, so, you know, we often might be tempted to fight the wrong. We get angry and so we want revenge. We want to get back at people. Somebody cuts us off. We want to cut them off. 
someone says something we want to say back to them. We, if they insult us, we want to insult them. So how do we deal with this? What, well, there were some things that made Jesus angry, uh, and I'm going to move through this, try to move through it rapidly. Uh, Jesus got angry at the religious people of the day because they valued their rules more than people. It wasn't the law. They, they valued their oral traditions. It's called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the law about the law. So the Mishnah was the opinions of, of uh, through the years, rabbis had written opinions through the years, and they had become this oral traditions about the law. So they had added on these layers and layers of rules, some other beyond the, the law of God, which was good, they had added on another 613 commandments that were the traditions. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 7, verse 8. This is what Jesus thought about that. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. See, the purpose of the law was to help people be in right relationship with God and right relationship with each other, to love God with all your heart and love neighbor as yourself. Jesus, Jesus said that. But they had all these other laws, and they had like about the Sabbath. They had all these different laws about the Sabbath. And Jesus broke them because he said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. The, the purpose of the Sabbath was to... To add, to give us a time of rest, not to add weight to us. And so Jesus often did many of the things that he did on the Sabbath to tick off the Pharisees. So, so there's, there's a great story. So a man, he's in the synagogue, and there's a man there with a withered hand. And Jesus says, hey, guys, uh, is it all right to heal this, to do good on the Sabbath? Is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? And they wouldn't answer him. And he says, and he became, and looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the, so he, Jesus heals him in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And they're like, <clears throat> they just can't believe this. And so they went out and immediately began to conspiring with the Herodians, who they hated, by the way, against him as to how they might destroy him. Now, that's when you know your religion is out of whack, right? They're angry because he healed a man on the Sabbath, but it was okay to conspire to kill someone. You even remember, there's, a, there's, there's our, what we call the Ten Commandments, or like kind of the Ten Biggies, and that's like one of them. Thou shalt not kill. It's like we can ignore that because he went against our oral tradition. It made Jesus angry when they used man-made rules to create barriers of people coming to God. Twice, in the beginning of his ministry, in the end, he overturned the money changers' tables at the temple twice. In the beginning and the end, he made a whip. He made a cord, got a cord, made a whip, and he drove out the money changers. <laughs> but we often don't think of Jesus as being badass, but he was. So, <laughs> I mean, he, was, he wasn't a wimp. He was a carpenter. 
he was he was he was he was a stonemason, and and he drove. I mean, there were you know there were soldiers in place in the temple, and they didn't they didn't try to stop him. You know, I mean, you ever deal with someone you think oh. You know, it's like your mama, you know, it's like, yeah, you could take your mama, but you're not going to try because you know you really can't. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't want to go to school with a black guy and say, my mom did it, you know. So, uh, so he drove the money changers out. And so why would he do that? Because the temple system required that the people had to go to the temple several times a year to make sacrifices. So you can imagine, so a poor family on the outskirts of Israel, they make this, this arduous, painful, difficult, expensive journey. They've brought their best sheep or their best doves, their best that they can afford and have. They're gonna, they want to offer a sacrifice, and they get there, and they have to show their sacrifice to the priest. And when they get there, there's a system in place that's taking advantage of people. So when they get there, they take their animal, and it has to be inspected because it has to be without blemish. And so someone takes the animal and says, well, this is really not good enough. You're going to have to buy another sacrifice that we've already pre-approved that is a better sacrifice. And so to do that, they have to go, they can't buy it with their old filthy money that, that they use to trade with. They have to exchange their money for temple money. And so, have you, any of you ever exchanged money at the airport, right? Have you ever had to change currencies where you go into another land? And so, Every time you do that, you lose 10 or 15%. They take advantage of you. And so, so they had to exchange their money, so then they had to turn around and buy another lamb at an inflated price. Maybe even their own lamb back. So Jesus is angry that they've created this system to where it's, they're, they're not making it easy for people to come to God, but they were, they're raising up all these barriers where they're taking advantage of people and they're monetizing people coming to God. And it made Jesus angry, angry enough that at the beginning of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, he drove them out and said, you've turned my house into a, a marketplace he said it should be a house of prayer. Then he got mad because they didn't value children. They were bringing children to Jesus for him to bless them. And the disciples were indignant because, you know, he's more important than that. He's the son of God. Uh, he doesn't have time to bless your children. And Jesus said, yes, I do. He was angry that they were not letting the children come to him. And he said, bring them to me. So Jesus took the time to bless the children and pray for the children. And because he said, the kingdom belongs to such as these. The kingdom is to have the heart of a child. And then the fourth thing that made him angry was religious people. If you want to see where Jesus really kind of loses it, read all of Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And he, and he calls them some names. Uh, 
And this, just here's just a, here's just a little snippet, Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is not how to win friends and influence people, right? For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may be, become clean also. And this, this is kind of mild. He calls them vipers. He calls them dead men's bones. He calls them graves. Now, Jesus isn't mad at them because of their sin. He's not mad at them because they're sinners. Jesus didn't have any problem with sinners. He's mad at them because they don't think they are sinners. He's mad at them because they think they're better than everybody else. He's he's mad at them because they don't recognize the sin in their own hearts. They can easily see everybody else's sin, but they can't see the sin in their own heart. Remind you of anybody? So Jesus is angry about that. He's angry. And we, we have to be careful because we'll often do that too. We have to remember as believers, our righteousness is not because of us. You didn't save yourself. You're just like Lazarus. How much did Lazarus have to do with being raised from the dead? Did he help? Did he participate? Did he agree to it? He didn't, he didn't even agree to it. He just got raised. That's how salvation works for us. God just saves us by his will and his grace and his mercy and his salvation. He reaches into the tomb of our dead souls. We're dead in our sins, and he pulls us out to life. So Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin in his anger. Now, we get angry, but often when we get angry... We get angry not because of what's happening to other people, but because of what's happening to us. Right? right? Don't you, I mean, we get angry about what's happening to us. So, I mean, very seldom, I mean, it does happen that you'll be driving down the road and say, that guy's driving like a maniac. Because you'll see him weaving out of cars and stuff. But we're most offended not when he cuts the car off three cars in front of us. We're most offended when he cuts us off. Am I right? Only Tammy's going to be honest. She drives a long ways to work every day. She encounters a lot of people. I don't know how she's still saved, really. (laughs) And sometimes we question it, but that's a whole other thing. Mostly we're angry because of what's happening to us. The American Psychological Association defines anger as an emotion characterized by tension, and hostility arising from frustration, real or imagined, injury by another, or perceived injustice. From frustration, real or imagined, injury by another, or perceived injustice. Studies show that often anger is a secondary emotion. In other words, there's, there's something going on beyond, behind the anger. Someone said it's, the, it's uh, the outward expression of an internal wound or offense. So sometimes we're angry because... There's something that's going on behind the scene. Maybe it's grief in your own life or uh, some kind of sadness because of a loss or embarrassment or uncertainty about the future. Insecurity will cause us to be fearful and react. Disrespect. 
uh, I was talking after the first service about one of the things that we often get angry about is being disrespected, not being valued, not being seen, not, not being noticed. Someone doesn't value our opinion as much as we feel like they should in the heat of the moment. Uh, insecurity, our own pride, all emotions that, uh, that, all these emotions, they can be a root of anger. So not all anger is sin, but we can sin in our anger. Be angry, but don't sin. We can sin. When do we sin in our anger? We sin when it's out of control. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So we sin when it's prolonged, when we let anger go on and on and on, undealt with. And then we sin when we give the devil a place. And we do that. We give the devil a place through unforgiveness we give the devil a place through bitterness. Uh, we give the devil a place by plotting revenge, seeking revenge. <clears throat> so how do we break the circle of anger? Number one, you need to discover, why am I mad? You need to think about, what, what, why, am I, why am I reacting this way? James 4.1 says, what are the quarrels? What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and don't have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. What's the root? Where's your hurt? Where are you offended? Where are you disrespected? Often we're mad at ourselves. Haven't you ever said, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? Something we said or something we did. So sometimes we need to stop, slow down, we need to discover, we need to ask, why am I so angry? What's making us mad? And often there is a root. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it they many be defiled. There's often a root cause to anger that escapes our own discernment. That's why we often need to go to counselors because, or we need to talk to people that don't have anything invested in our troubles so that they can help us see our blind spots. You know why we call them blind spots? Because you can't see them. So a lot of times we have blind spots and other people can see what's going on and we can't see what's going on, and, but yet we're reluctant to ask anyone to help us. But often we need help to see the roots of our anger. And we also need to understand what stresses us because different things stress different people. Some people are stressed by money. Some people are stressed by time. Now, because God has a sense of humor, when people get married, he has a person who's a saver marry a person who's a spender. He also has someone married that's never on time with someone that's driven to be on time. <laughs> I mean, some of you fought just to get to church today. And you're, so the, the on time person is saying, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, come on. We gotta get in the car. Come on, let's go. I, there's days that I, that I just say, I'm gonna go ahead and go in my car and I'll meet you there. <laughs> she always looks, doesn't she look great? 
She always looks great. She always looks great. She always looks great. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't mind taking my own car. I owe her so much. I owe her so much because I got to say, for the first 20 years when we had small children, I had an elders meeting every Sunday morning before church. That meant that every Sunday morning she got up by herself and got three kids ready and got them to church on her own and still loved Jesus when she got here. So, you know, waiting on a woman. How you handle conflict, how you handle, some of us, how you handle getting angry, anxiety, insecurity, all of those things. All, and you need to understand your own personality. You need to understand how you deal with stuff. Some of you, some of you blow up, and you blow up really easily and really quickly. Did you know, I didn't even know I had a tipper until I had children. Right? And then, man, they know how to push your buttons. They become experts at button pushing. <laughs> I, I, can, I can remember one day, Landon and I are sitting at the kitchen table, and uh, he has to finish up a paper to graduate from high school. And he's not wanting to do it. You know, he's, I don't think he ever did, any, he never did any work at home. He, 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 uh, I can't think of another term better than BS. He, 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 uh, he what's, what am I trying to think of? He, he schmoozed his way, he, through, through school. So, uh, or BS, I don't know. Uh, and so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to get him to do his work, and he's like, oh, you know, and he's ADD and all over the place. He's flopping around like a carp. Uh, and, and, uh, and I said, uh, we got to get, how long does it take? I said, until you're done. You have to do this paper to graduate. And he stood up and said, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. And I was backing him across the living room like this. I tell you, and I had him up. I backed him all up against the wall. And Tina comes in there. Because oh, she knows I'm about to kill him. So what's your tendency? Is it to blow up? Is it to clam up? And again, in God's sense of humor, a blow-up marries a clam-up. So the blow-up has blown up and wants the clam-up to talk about it, and the talk-up says, I'm not going to talk about it, and you don't blow up. And the blow-up says, I'm not going to stop blowing up until you talk about it. And so, we're gonna, and so you just, you know. And then you got to pack up. So a lot of times the clam-up will pack up because the other person keeps blowing up. And so they say, well, where'd they go? They got in the car and left. We went to get a pack of cigarettes. They don't even smoke. <laughs> they decided to start. So what do we do with that? So we, a lot of times we don't, understand, we don't understand what's going on in our own mind. We don't understand why we're so angry. So that's why we go to counselors. That's why we ask for outside help. And we go to the Holy Spirit. We ask the Lord, Lord, help me. 
We pray it. We pray, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I'm weak. I'm losing it here. I need help. And we pray, and we pray, Holy Spirit, help me, because he wants to help us discover the root. And then we need to talk about it. We disclose it. Number two, we disclose it. We bring it to light. Sin grows best in the dark, so we need to turn on the light. A lot of times we assume that people understand our expectations without agreement on those expectations, and so there's disappointment, anger, and conflict. What if you assumed that once you joined the church that I was going to come over every week and wash your car? And so every time you saw me on Sundays, you'd think, it's a great sermon, but my car is still pretty dirty. In other words, it would create a tension because there was an expectation that was not fulfilled. The only problem is I didn't know that expectation existed. So once you communicated that expectation to me, I could say to you, are you an idiot? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. Are you? I don't even wash my own car. <laughs> I go through one of those little machines and they do the work and scratch it up for you. So often we need to convey our expectations. Our expectations are not conveyed, so we don't know. So we, we're never able to clear the air. You can't expect love telepathy. If he loves me, he knows. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's a man, and he doesn't know. <laughs> or, or she's a woman, and she doesn't understand. In other words, Love telepathy doesn't work. You can't expect someone to know what you're expecting without you telling them what you're expecting. So we need to talk about it. I'm angry because I'm hurt. I'm angry because you offended me. I mean, families, families give us a great opportunity to grow about how to handle anger because we offend each other in family. Your kids are going to say the most hurtful things that anyone has ever said to you. That's why you think, you know, I brought you into this world, I can take you out, make another one just like you. Uh, Bill Cosby said that, so I don't guess we can say that anymore because he's a pervert. Okay. Or I'm angry and I don't know why. Or, you know, we, sometimes we need to say, you know, when you do this, that really makes me angry. That upsets me. But we don't say anything. We just stew, and then we blow up. First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the, blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. We all care what people think more than we're willing to admit we can have a hundred compliments and one criticism, and the one criticism will rule our minds. It's, we can only be free of how people feel about us when we're settled about how God feels about us. If you're overinflated by a compliment, or you are deflated by criticism, you're probably getting your value in the wrong place. So we, you know, we need to bring it to light so it's healthy. 
anger, the outward expression of an inner pain, hurt, or an offense. Tim Keller said this. If you find that despite all the efforts to forgive, your anger and bitterness cannot subside, you may need to look deeper and ask, what am I defending? What is so important that I cannot live without? It may be that until some inordinate desire is identified and confronted, you will not be able to master your anger. Why am I defending? Why am I mad? Why am I upset? So what should we pray? So our first prayer is, Holy Spirit, help me. The second prayer is, Holy Spirit, heal me. I need to get rid of the thing, the bitterness, whatever's hanging on. I need to deal with that. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, heal me. And the third thing is you have to deny your flesh. In other words, to walk in the Spirit is to, to say no to our flesh at times. To not do everything we feel or think in the moment. To instead be led and controlled and directed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God so that we're walking in obedience to God's will and purpose for our life. So, so even though we feel things, we deny them. We say, no, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let that happen. Groucho Marx, a lot of you won't know who Groucho Marx is, but here's what he said. Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> and another thing, and you know, he probably had a cigar when he said that. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. So you have a reason to be angry. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to sin. So you might think, I just need to, I just need to yell at some people. No. They deserve it, or I deserve it. I deserve it. Or here's the good one. Here's the one that we all need to watch out for. I, it's just the way I grew up. The reason I blow up and lose my temper is because my mom and dad blew up and lost their temper, and my grandparents blew up and lost their temper, I come from a long line of people who lost their temper. And so we want to fall back on that and say, I can't help it. It's the way I am. But that's sin. We've come to Christ, and now we have a new inheritance. We have a new family tree. <laughs> I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not all anger is explosive. Sometimes you get the silent treatment, the cold shoulder, the don't touch me, you know. You ever, you know, you're, you're having a little conflict with your spouse and you reach over with your foot to see what the temperature of what's going on. You, you touch their leg, and they pull their leg back. You think, oh, well, she's still mad. Okay. <laughs> what did Jesus do? He was angry, but he didn't sin. Jesus was angry, but he was submitted to the will of the Father. So that third prayer is, Holy Spirit, help me do it your way. Holy Spirit, help me. I need help. You know who God helps? the ones who recognize they need help. Holy Spirit, heal me. I realize there's an area of my life that there's some bitterness, unforgiveness, there's, some, there's something. There's a root that needs to be uprooted. Holy Spirit, I want to do it your way.
because my way's not working. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Just close your eyes for a minute. Think about it. Some of you are struggling today. Some of you are struggling with your temper. You're going through some stuff, and that stuff, that root has caused a reaction. And so you need to deal with the root, ask God to help you with the root. And so let's God help me. I'm weak, and I'm not doing this very good. Heal me. Help me see what I'm not seeing. And Father, I want to do it your way. I submit to your will. My way is not the good way. Your way is. So I ask you to help me, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, you know our need. You know our hearts. You, you know where we're struggling. You understand it. You understand it. So, Lord, help us. Help, help us, Lord. Help us in our struggle today. Help us to, to lay this before you. Lord, help us especially to see and understand better than we've understood before the root of our bitterness, the root of our problem. If we don't understand, if we can't say, Lord, lead us to people, lead us to counselors, lead us to friends that will help us see the blind spots in our life. We, Lord, that you would bring us into a place where we'd be able to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want to do this your way. My way is not working. The wrath of man does not accomplish the purposes of God. God, you are for me, and you want me to be able to have the best relationships. That's why you came. My relationship with you and my relationship with everybody else. And I just acknowledge, Lord, I'm not doing this very good need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. See you next week. What? Go to Baker's. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.